Welcome to Wellversed, where we bring biblical principles of governance to governmental leaders and you. This is the Wellversed podcast. We're going to go to our next guest right now. Really happy to have uh, retired Lieutenant Colonel Darren Gobb on. Uh, Darren has quite a distinguished uh, resume. He was an Army aviation officer flying the Black Hawk helicopter. He's done tours of duty in South Korea, North Africa, Central and Eastern Europe, as well as four tours of duty in Afghanistan. He's a military strategist, well-respected. Uh, he's, he's a foreign policy expert. He's a constitutional expert. He's trained in, in apologetics. And so it comes from quite a long list of credentials. You've seen him on Fox News. You've seen him on Newsmax, Steve Bannon. Uh, I never had connected with him until just recently and then found out he says, my mother knows you. It turns out I went to college with her. So well, I was a college student with his mother. So I have a little bit of connection with him. Darren, it is an honor to have you on. And I'm going to throw some wide open questions to you. What is the status of America? Where are we as a nation? What's the status of our constitutionality? To what extent are we a banana republic? We're now being nicknamed or called that by some. Where are we as a country right now? Give us give us an overview. I'm going to turn you loose. Thank you, Darren, for being on with us. You're muted, Darren. You're muted. Thanks, Jim. Those are very uh, broad questions, as you said. And I think uh, in the time we have left, we can cover a very little bit of it in the, in the big picture. But ultimately, uh, if I could, I'd like to start off with saying that I'm, I'm sitting here texting with my Canadian veteran group, making sure they know that this is this event in Canada is going on and they text me back and said they're actually involved in a zoom right now with some of the lead planners of it so I guess this is how God works is he brings the right people together whether they know they're working together or not uh, and it's, it's always awesome to see um, but yeah to your to your specific questions I would I would say that one our nation is post-constitutional and has actually been for a while. Uh, the enforcers of the constitution are we the people and we the people are the last people that the government is actually listening to right now because for many decades, and I would even put a pin in 1917 in the building of the Federal Reserve under Woodrow Wilson um, and talk about how that is leading up to today. But uh, all of this has led to an America where the constitution has basically become a piece of paper without the will of the people behind it. And it is largely meaningless because the the judges in the courts and so many others have disregarded it. Now I'm not gonna I want I don't want to overplay that hand too much because it's frankly the some of the jurisprudence and precedence that has gone on in law that it is also protecting some of the few things good that are left. And within my organization of Restore Liberty, we have you know, educators, homeschoolers, military vets, border patrol people, um, multiple different kinds of vets from different, different countries and around the world. And so this idea of what is America now uh, is gaining even more and more significance to many of these countries because all of these people are universally sounding the alarm saying that America if America goes down the road towards full socialism and communism or some, some version thereof, then the, the rest of the world will go with it even further. And, and that's just a sad state of affairs that it's not us in America saying that, it is people from around the world, from small countries to large, who say that this, this is absolutely critical and they're all watching us and cheering us on. And hopefully we can win this battle. But 
also, you know, one of the challenges I have traveling the country, whether it be preaching, teaching, talking about an organization or all the above, is that our nation is going the route of so many other nations throughout history too. This is just what happens in a fallen world where sin exists and Satan roams to and fro. But I think the biggest difference is that America still has a very active church. And I 100% agree with the statement that the church is very specific about what that means. It's not just a label you put on a building and call yourself whatever you want. But Christ's true church is starting to wake up and realize that church does not happen behind a pulpit between four walls and ends every Sunday. That we have to be out there as the predominant influencer in our culture and everything that is going on around us. Because we can't just say that we're in the world and not of it purely and just walk away that ruins our witness it destroys the witness of the church writ large and frankly we've seen the results of it and what happens to this nation because of what we're talking about tonight with regards to the specifically the lgbtq agenda and so much more but again there's there's two sides to this there's a lot of bad out there you see central bank digital currencies. You see conflicts that brew out of our surrender in Afghanistan. Immediately, we called it and said that uh, Ukraine was next. That happened. Um, China, Taiwan is always something on the radar that we're watching closely. Uh, continuous Mideast influence or uh, you know, the, the fights that are going on there, specifically with Iran against Israel. And we've got folks on here who know very much about all that. But uh, and using Syria as a proxy and all the different terrorist organizations, all of these things, if you look at the big, big picture across the globe, really just shows that uh, you've got a globe that is reaching a level of conflict and anarchy that is difficult to describe to people who um, aren't watching it every day. Now, certainly there are benefits to not watching it every day because you can you can get pretty depressed and get pretty down. but. I always start off all of my speeches by listing out all of these bad things and just giving a realistic picture of the world from wherever I'm sitting. And, but I finish it up with a message that is hope because our, my organization has you know, state directors across you know, 30, 30 states. Now we've got people in various countries that are, have latched onto it and like what we do. And we're always talking about how the fact that even if we could restore liberty in America to in a, in a temporal and secular sense, the real goal is to bring people to Christ. Because if you've got your relationship with God, your family will follow. And if you've got God and family right, then your country will follow right behind as well. We are way past the point of what our founding fathers intended for us as a nation and what really God intended for us as a nation as well where we've got a large central government seeking to control everything that supports, magnifies, uh, or sustains life. And if you take over those things that do sustain life like it should, then what you've got is control over the people. And that is a theme across mostly all Western democracies at this point in, in not only America's history, but world in the world history as well right now. So. Jim, I hope I answered a lot of that as best as I could. Since you answered them all up front, I immediately forgot the last three. But uh. <laughs> so, uh, I want to take you drill deeper on the anti-constitutionality that we're facing in the present tense. Uh, if you were to look at our Constitution, 
with it with an understanding of what it means and the intentionality of it and then how government is functioning right now what is the difference where are we off as a constitutional republic and i have to ask this question are we in fact what some are saying a banana republic at this point right okay and then define banana republic too in the process sure uh well, I would tell you that uh, the easiest way to answer the first question is to take the First Amendment and just draw a line through it. Because for all intents and purposes, all agencies of government have decided that they're going to selectively enforce that particular amendment. So freedom of speech, if we agree with you. If we don't agree with you, we're going to remove your job, we're going to crush you on social media, and any number of other things, including the entire weaponization of the Department of Justice against people who are only speaking their mind. Let's talk about parents and school boards. Uh, let's talk about anybody who goes into a school and advocates against that LGBTQ agenda or uh, equity or and all those other different kinds of terms that are in there. So freedom of speech. Uh, oh, peaceably assemble January 6th. There were people who are there that are getting hunted down across the country still today who all they did was show up. And they had a phone on them and they got tagged for being present. They didn't do anything. So peaceable assembly is gone. Freedom of religion, uh, not gone yet, but it sure seems like they're coming after it. We've seen the, we've seen the headlines over the years about how pastors are being told to turn in their sermon notes to be looked for to be looked at for things that are gone against the message that the state would have you buy. Uh, and there are many other examples across the board that I'm sure you can imagine. Every every church has had to kind of hedge its its I guess its bylaws and some of the legal aspects of it all with, with regards to not performing gay marriages and things like that. So. Um, there's so much of our constitution that's under uh, let me break in there on just for a moment on that one and i want you to go right on on, on the issue of freedom of religion what the radical left uh left us is willing to have freedom of worship as long as we stay within four walls of the church building you can do what you want there but don't you express yourselves outside which is the freedom of religion they accept freedom of worship confined but not freedom of actually participating in your faith in the public square. Now, certain court cases recently have, have defended us. And Coach Kennedy, of course, went to the center field and prayed Friday night. Major, major win uh, there up in the state of Washington. I'll let you go right on, but I want to get that qualifier. Freedom religion uh, is not doing well until these most recent Supreme Court cases that just came down the pike. And, and that's a, a Trump administration that had appointed those uh, three justices that actually turned us back to having some freedom of religion like we were supposed to go right ahead my brother yeah and thank god for that um, but we certainly shouldn't need a supreme court to necessarily defend that amendment but uh over time we shall see but uh, but you're absolutely right and of course the secular world believes the church is that exactly as we described it four walls and some people inside of it and that's it and yeah, stay in there and you'll be fine but uh that was not the way it was intended to be course we all know about the separation of church and state and and the false argument that that is, that, that is thomas jefferson's letter to the baptist association and the fact that you know frankly it would have been described better as a filter where religion has full reign to influence government but government has zero reign to influence religion that's how i look at it and that's how i teach it and that's really what they always intended uh, but you know, here we are, and hopefully we're on the upward curve on this thing, and I'm pretty excited to see it, but in the end, as faithful Christians, to see our church under duress from government and the people around us should not surprise us. 
In fact, if you read Hebrews 11, you see wonderful stories of faith, but not all of them end well in the secular world and, and within their physical bodies. I mean, there's torture and all kinds of things that happen to these people. But the eternal reward is really all that matters in the first place. But uh, getting on to your last question before we ended there was about the Banana Republic. And I guess when everybody thinks about the, the Banana Republic as, frankly, it's a dictator lording over a country using the pretense of law, justice, and democracy to secure their position. So I've spent a lot of time overseas, and it's been very interesting to listen to our own government talk about how we need to root out corruption and instill democracy and free and fair elections in places like, oh, Afghanistan, Iraq, Kuwait. And you can pick any number of countries around the world and most of us who are sitting on the ground in those countries are saying, but our country is as corrupt as most any of them at certain levels. And we're not as far as places like Russia and Ukraine, but when you hear election results in Russia that says Putin won with 99% of the vote, well, nobody takes that seriously. That's the sign of a, of a, a banana republic trying to fake like they have democratic institutions while keeping their dictators in power. How far are we away from that? Well, ask yourself how legitimate our last election was in 2020. And I'm going to tell you that we're not far away. I've been deeply involved in elections work in this country for a long time here now. And uh, from that particular aspect, we're not far at all from being truly a banana republic. And 2024 will be even more telling. So I think that's uh, you know, critical to that. First and foremost, of course, is a, is a faith-based prayer response by the church who needs to lead all of this. But we also need to make sure that uh, we get involved in civics education and teach people the things about the Constitution and why we're a federalist system and the fact that the predominant entity, political entity in, this in the uh, country is actually the states, not the feds. And the individual and the family are the most important, they're at the top of the power pyramid is the easiest way to describe it. And the federal government was always at the bottom, not even supposed to be that big a part of your life and not running any of it. We flipped the whole thing over. But I believe that with the right people coming together, focused on God, who is able to do whatever he wants in the end, that uh, we can overcome this, not by our own might, but by his. And that's the most exciting thing I, ever, I can ever talk to people about is is no matter, no matter how bad things are looking to us from the perspective of where we're sitting, God has not left the throne. He's not abdicated his position over this, over this planet, and he never will. So let's just do our sacred duty and leave the results to God. I have a question, and I want you to be able to tell me, Jim, I don't want to answer that one, and I'll let you right off the hook. Okay, are you ready for this one? Uh, the, veter the veterans you work with, I mean, you're fresh out of your, your Afghanistan. Here you went on four tours of duty in Afghanistan, and you've watched the debacle that took place. That's the most shocking I've ever seen. And I'm not trained in military life at all, but I couldn't believe it. And we watched, uh, Rosemary and I travel enough in other countries that we, we recognize how our, our nation is being viewed now. Mm -hmm in a way it was never before. Um, so I'm gonna ask a military question that I'll let you dodge and we'll go on to something else. And that is, how do the veterans you run with, who are now out of uniform, who can talk, 
how do they view Joint Chiefs of Staff Mark Milley? How do they view the potential appointment of General CQ Brown? And again, we'll pass on that question, sir, if you want to. I'm gonna grab that hook and I'm gonna run with it. That's fine. I will tell you that, uh, first of all, my organization, Restore Liberty, is founded by myself and retired Air Force Brigadier General Blaine Holt. And he's on Newsmax almost every morning these days. And pretty much to a person, everybody we work with and talk with on the veteran community, and frankly, most of them on the active duty who can't say as much, cannot stand General Milley. And I know him. I know the guys who run the Afghanistan mission from the division, the division commander with the 82nd Airborne on the ground in Kabul when it happened and his corps commander in Fort Bragg, North Carolina, when it happened. Those generals have been disowned by the specialized communities that they come from for a reason. The generals are just politicians seeking greater stars, greater responsibility and, and these kinds of things for the most part. And if I had my way, I would remove every single general in the Department of Defense right now and start over. That's the only way to know you're going to get anywhere close to right. But I will say that no matter how bad people think it is when it comes to people like Millie, and by the way, CQ brand is just as bad or worse because he's all in on the LGBTQ, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and all that garbage. It would be better to have the position vacant than have him there. And frankly, we don't even really need the position. We have too many generals. But here's the good news. Upwards of 600,000 people or so in uniform across all services, across all components. And by main that, what I mean by that is National Guard, Reserve, Active Duty, Coast Guard, all of the above. Uh, there are 17 million veterans in this nation. The vast majority of them hate what they see and are ready to go back and help be a part of fixing it. And I'm working with a lot of organizations who have a lot of background in, in, in senior ranking positions across the military who are ready, if called upon, to go back into some of these positions to fix things. Because if we can't defend our nation, all the rest of our arguments will become, you know, you know, I guess, be cast to the side of the road because someone else is just going to keep taking advantage of us because we're weak and we're woke right now. And I hate saying it. I appreciate your candor. So there's 600,000 uniform, 17 million veterans, pretty staggering numbers. Except but, 17. Huh? 17. Yes, yeah, 17, uh, maybe okay. 17 million. But you, you have what are nicknamed the TV generals mm -hmm. that are an embarrassment about everybody else. But they're in charge. What are our options in this very difficult moment? CQ Brown says he wants to have a quota on how many, in terms of aviator pilots, uh, how, how many what are each race, not who's the most qualified. And then the transgendering of our military, and I call it the outfitting with high heels. Mm -hmm. uh, how, talk to us. How does this get turned around? Well, I'm a, my organization is very locally focused state, county, municipality, however you want to describe that. But in this particular case, the best thing you can do is give them the commander in chief that deserves to be there and cares about our military military readiness and give them enough time to turn it around. That's a big lift. And I think that's beyond the capacity of most of us as just simply human beings. But collectively, if we come together and they get a commander in chief that is worthy of the position, not perfect, but worthy, then that will have an immediate impact. 
Now, a challenge will be if if you elected me president of the United States, which God help us all, uh, every one of those generals would be gone. And I wouldn't apologize for it. And we'd start over. And I don't care if you had to take a, a major and make him a four star, you know, <laughs> worst case there, of course. But if you find someone who's a patriot to this country and truly knows what's going on and knows what leadership is, frankly, you know, having a, you know, promoting somebody way ahead of schedule is far less damaging than taking somebody who is like a CQ Brown and totally in on the agenda. But what else can we do if that problem is too big for most of us? or if it continues because you know, another election is stolen, the best thing we can do is a lot of us veterans are continuous, continuing to reach out and stay in touch with people and remind them what their oath says and have them read it and then have them talk about it back to us so they understand it. Because their oath is not to a president, it's not to a chairman of the Joint Chiefs, it's not to anybody, it's to the constitution and the people of this nation under under which or for who that written, that constitution is written in the first place. The next challenge, of course, is asking them, why do you think our founding fathers wrote in there that we're supposed to defend our nation against enemies, foreign and domestic? And what is a domestic enemy? And what does that look like? And how do we defend against it? I think reinforcing the oath and what it means, specifically with those who would be asked to I don't know, potentially take measures against the American citizens while they're a member of the military. That's pretty powerful. You get as many as you can. Uh, Darren, I'm going uh, a little further in this interview than I generally do because I sense your depth and your breadth. I live in California. I'm you sorry. don't live in California. You don't live in Michigan. You don't live in Minnesota and you don't live in New York. You live in a state that would be considered safer and more fiercely committed to freedom and liberty and to the U.S. Constitution than where I live. What are people to do, given the environment? We, we, we clearly know, I want to make a disclaimer here, we clearly know that God is God. He is sovereign. And we run to him and we become spiritually prepared for whatever is. And the church has always done that. The true church, the true church has done that through the, through the ages. My friend, Andrew Brunson is very committed to trying to prepare the church for what is to come. And he's convinced the church is not prepared. I believe he is right. He was in prison for several years in Turkey. He said he was not prepared for that. And he almost cracked under the pressure. And he says, the church in America is not ready for what is to come. I've had him speak at my conferences. He's in demand all across America and other countries because he's trying to prepare the church for what is to come. And that's part of the World Prayer Network call. Uh, our friend Mario Bromnik, who's oftentimes on the calls with us, he and I had a long talk this afternoon about this very topic, wonderful topic, wonderful conversation. He's not able to be with us right now. We talked about this specifically at length. So what do you say to a nation right now, knowing you may be listened to right now by people who are radically opposed to everything you stand for. How prepared should we be? How prepared can we be? What do you say to a person on just the basics? I'm gonna sound very simplistic and I'm gonna sound very preparedness oriented. 
what should people be prepared for in terms of water, food, hospital, I mean, the medications that they have, et cetera. Talk to us very practically. And then we're going a completely different route than what you and I plan to talk about. But I, I sensed you, you've, you've said some things that struck my heart. And I, I just think we owe it to those who may listen to this to prepare them as best we can with the awareness that the critics who don't like what you've said are also listening and tuned in and highly critical more than that. They would label you for some of your language talking about the election. Oh my goodness, you're a bad guy. So what do you say to us in this moment to help prepare these listeners for what is to come? Yeah, thanks, Jim. I don't mind that direction at all. In fact, that's part of the reason why I travel around and speak to people is I bring my background into the church and try to marry my pastorship work with my army's survival experience and training and what I was involved in. And first and foremost, those people who might be listening and thinking those kinds of things, I, I will tell you that I will stand in front of anybody, acknowledge Christ as Lord over every single aspect of my life, and I don't care what they're doing to me. It's easy to say, uh, but I have seen what happens in countries where that happens to folks a lot. And of course, our lifespan is very limited. And that is, that's a tragic thing to see anywhere. Um, so we won't know until that day comes, if it comes, and we pray against it, but uh, we're, not in, we're not in control of these things. But practically, I would say, stop focusing so much on what's going on in Washington, D.C., and know that by and large, Washington, D.C. is really just gone. It's going, it's top heavy, and the only way for it to fix is to collapse among itself. And that's okay. If it happens, it's terrible. We don't want it to happen for our nation, but it is a possible reality because that's what history teaches us. So given that, what can people do that is practical and they can apply immediately to their lives and what they're doing? Well, I've already done it where I live. You find your network of people. They could be Catholic, Protestant, they could be a lot of different things. This is all about rebuilding small community. And when I, when I, when I teach this stuff across the country, it's Take Maslow's hierarchy of needs and take the bottom part. What is in that bottom part? It's basically like, like you described. It's food, it's water, it's shelter. It's energy, you know, heat, something, something to cook with, something like that. And then it's also security. If that's, that's how most of this planet lives. They try to live in an environment where they can be secure and then take care of their basic needs. America and America's church specifically is not ready for that. You are correct but we're trying to get them there. And if you simply focus on, you know, what can you put in your house? Food, water, shelter, emergency supplies, medical supplies, things like that. What are your skill sets? Use the church model. I have my skill sets. I can do electrical and plumbing and framing and some survival, other types of survival skills and firearms and things like that. I don't know anything about medical. <laughs> so I found my friend who's a nurse and some doctors and various things like that. And we build this very small community and it could be 50 to 100 people that you trust. It could be centered on your church or it could not be. It could be a home church or just a group, whatever you want to call it, if nothing, if or if you want to call it anything. But you come together and say, okay, this is where I get food, water, and shelter enough to last for 30 days. What do I need to last six months? Past that point, I'm going to need something different because it gets much harder six months and longer. 
So all you're really trying to do is recreate a local supply chain tied to local farmers, local ranchers, know your rivers, where water comes from, how to purify water, um, stock medical supplies. You hope you never need them, but this is just basic emergency planning that even if nothing happens to this nation and things don't go bad the way we see them going, then, well, you're ready for something bad like, I don't know, an earthquake, or, you know, like you're in California, right? It's, that's always a potential. So that's, that's kind of what I teach people in uh, it's a two-day seminar for the, most, for the most part, so cramming it into a few minutes is not always easy, but rather than focus on the global situation and what's going on in D.C. maybe, and even maybe at a state capital, look at the community around you and realize how much value there is there. And find the talents and find the people. Build that small network of trust. Because when people are starving or when people are under duress, they're going to look for leadership. And that's why we picked our state directors under Restore Liberty the way we did, because we think they can be the leaders that are there in any circumstance. And that's proving out to be true. So those are some practical steps. I've implemented it here over the last four years uh, and grown it and advanced it, everything from ham radios, small ones to big ones, uh, satellite communications devices, down to simple non-battery operated hand drills and various things like that. And you don't have to have one per person if your community of 50 has a couple of them. That, that kind of thing is very valuable. And, and, and I'll say the last thing here is the biggest thing you can possibly do is make the mental decision to realize that that reality could be coming and to take the appropriate steps to deal with it. First through prayer and then through other preparation. I've been an observer of the culture for a long time. I'm not a young man. And I think wise is the person who listens very carefully to what Darren is saying. That being the case, Darren, if we offered a specialized training by Zoom across America, would you be available to come back on and give that two-day training somehow to the World Pair Network family? Anytime, anytime. And if you're anybody near Oklahoma City, is uh, around on October 6th and 7th, they'll get it in person. Uh, where will you be Oklahoma, in Oklahoma City? Uh, High, High Plains Baptist Church, I believe it is, uh, on the northwest corner of Oklahoma City. And the date again is what? October 6th and 7th. What is your website so people can follow you where you're speaking? Uh, Restore-liberty.org. Restore-liberty.org. And uh, do you have your speaking engagements so they could go hear you? Um, well, I need to get that one on there, uh, but there's also a request a speaker button on there for myself or my co-founder. It doesn't matter. We'll do the best we can. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're, we're always prepared to do things online whenever possible just to make it easier on everybody. But this, what I teach is, a, you know, I'm not going to come in and tell you what snake's edible in Florida kind of thing. This is a, this is a structure of a, of a community. That, that can work. And just so people know, my background is, I was a personnel recovery and you know, survival and invasion instructor for the Army for many years. And that deals with lots of different levels of things, but um, I'm, I never thought I needed it. But God said once again that I had a plan after retirement and he was going to laugh at me and say, this is what I want you to actually do. So I had to pull all that stuff out and dust it off. Uh, I want those of you that are listening by Facebook. Now, generally on Facebook, it's only about one fifth 
of our audiences on that particular one, but that one you can respond to right now. Would you just, if you want it, if you'd like us to bring Darren back on for training, I want you to hit, just send, just submit a yes, just put yes, bring Darren, D-A-R-I-N, bring Darren back. And um, if you are on uh, the other platforms, Subsplice or worldfarenetwork.org or whatever, just send a message to info at wellversedworld.org and simply say yes, info at wellversedworld.org. I want to test your interest level because I don't want to offer something you don't have interest in. So that's my quickest way to get feedback from you. Go to info at wellversedworld.org and say yes. And uh, and then if, and, and that means you, you would tune in to two days of, are they two full days or what are, how, they, how long was the training? I, I can get, for what you're looking for, I can get it in an hour and a half or two hours and then just share my contact because I have, it's not like I'm trying to be a jack of all trades expert of everything, but with my network, I've got across the country, I can bring you like high tension power, power line guys. I can bring you generator people, specialists, communications. So if you have a specific and detailed question that exceeds my capability, after that initial couple hours, I can you know, get those answers. I won't necessarily connect people to that network directly, but I can get the answers out of the people that I work with. This would be uh, great, Darren. I, and, and also you referenced uh, the pastoral component. Are you actually pa a pastor of a local congregation as well? <laughs> Not yet. I have a lot of people asking, but my, my background is I got ordained as a uh, an, an elder slash deacon uh, back in 2010, Southern Baptist side mm -hmm. of things for, for what that matters. But um, my focus has been for the last 30 years teaching uh, biblical apologetics with specific focus on the sciences arena of it, uh, astronomy to geology. And it's uh, it's been very rewarding and very humbling as well. Yeah, that's a whole nother part of Darren we didn't even touch on. We could have gone into that as well. Like, <laughs> some people have all the brains and all the talent. <laughs> You're a remarkable way to go. We're gonna uh we're gonna lift you in prayer right now, but why don't you start? And by the way, greet your parents for me if you would, okay? Uh, but uh, we're gonna start with you leading in prayer for our country. And then Rosemary, uh, you pray, and then we're gonna go to Alan for worship and some others uh, leading in prayer as well. Or Ned, let me just pause one moment. I apologize, Ned from Florida, you had a question, did you not? I, I actually did. And man, I have lots of questions, but obviously you asked some phenomenal ones, Pastor Jim. Um, boy, how do I state this? So you, you said something very interesting, sir. Um, you, you talked about how in, in preparation for what chaos might come, we should think much more locally. Um, and, and Pastor Jim asked, you know, how does a person in a state that's not so friendly to perhaps Christians, conservatives, how do they orient themselves? I, I, I guess in this upcoming election, my concern is, is, is one, I think, uh, is it Plato in, in book eight of his, his work, The Republic, um, there's a dialogue that perfectly, I mean, it's amazing what was said in 375 BC outlines the condition of America and it's how democracy can descend into tyranny very easily. It, it I, I looking at what happened some of the earlier riots we we had obviously people burning down cities for one cause and if you you if you burn down a, a city block for the right cause you got bailed out by the politicians in power if if you for instance 
uh, a handful of people at an abortion clinic in D.C. that was suspected of performing late-term abortions. They simply did a sit-in, and, and now they're possibly facing 11 years in prison, not to mention what's going on with, with President Trump. In some ways, we could argue this conflict is, 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 is literally physically kinetic, but it's certainly judicially kinetic. My concern is we're on the brink of descending into actual tyranny. It seems like there's the will on the on the left to break all lines, to, to break all rules, cross all lines to maintain power. And in looking at the GOP largely, I feel like there's not a will to reform. I was so disappointed at what I saw on the presidential debate, to be honest with you. It's, it's as if they're the parents that count to three 10 times and then give in to the petulant child. Uh, they, they, they say that's wrong, that's wrong. They never, there's no teeth to it. And so my concern is with, with a chaotic Washington and a, a toothless GOP for the most part, not that there's not some good people in there, how seriously should conservatives orient themselves if we're going to a place where we have states and extremes like Minnesota and then a state like my state in Florida that's doing a lot of really good things? How seriously should people consider taking community to the next level, where it's not just who's in my local area I know, but how serious should they be about gathering in places that they know the local government is going to be friendly to their values and even offer protection to, to them? Are we at a point where people should seriously consider those kind of exoduses? I've been seriously considering it for people for four years at least. So. Uh... I mean, I guess the bottom line answer is it's worth your time to give, you know, some thought to that process. And I think uh, we're seeing it in many ways happening with the exodus out of you know, California, Oregon, Washington, mm -hmm. moving into Idaho and Montana and Wyoming. Uh, New York is the same. It's the, the whole U-Haul and, uh, and Penske truck statistics. They're all going out. Very few are coming in. You can pretty much rent a truck for free for going into New York. Mm. They can get one. Uh, and so I would be very serious about considering that. Uh, and it's interesting that you say that because it's part of the reason why I put together this organization called Restore Liberties, because I really tr truly think that the, the odds of our government collapsing are better than they are of it not. Mm -hmm. By collapse, I also mean basically just becoming completely tyrannical and totalitarian. And that's that I treat them the same in many ways. But I want to, I guess, paint a picture for what that looks like in real life if things go that bad. And I'm gonna use Afghanistan as an example. So Afghanistan on a map has lines and boundaries. It has provincial boundaries and various things like that. But when you dig in past those lines, you realize that Afghanistan is just a nation of tribes that are all warring against each other, seeking power either in their local area, but very few really care about having power over the, the nation as a president or something like that. Most of them are just living in their valleys or their small areas trying to survive and be the most powerful warlord. The reality of what could happen in a country like America is as soon as you remove the ties that bind, whether those ties are bound by the, the communications and the, and the electrical grid or however you want to describe that, uh, we will quickly revert to a, a nation of tribes. Living on this land again looks very much like what, you know, uh, was discovered on this on this continent a few hundred years ago because we're tied together by a lot of different things but 
um, if you've ever read the books, a book series called, and it starts with a book called One Second After. Yes, yes. That is a very good series to read and take notes on because you're going to be challenged to think about things. You know, and from a military perspective, there's parts of it that are unrealistic, but that's not the point of the series or the value of it. The value of it is to get your mind wrapped around what a society looks like if there's zero power in 10 minutes from now. Mm-hmm. And how quickly we'll go from being California, Montana, and Florida to I live in this valley where I live with my friends and we're going to try to continue to live and your boundaries will essentially disappear. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, I know that could sound crazy to some folks and it sounds crazy to me to even say it. But frankly, history teaches us that this is exactly what happens to nations. And China is a great example. They did it three times. We're not immune from that. World Prayer Network family, this has been a a very sober one. In a different direction from what I had planned. But I do think it was a Holy Spirit directed direction. That being the case, uh, we're going to pray. And we operate with a tremendous sense of radical faith in the sovereignty of God, that God is still God. I don't do this glib little phrase, America's not, uh, God's not done with America yet, and a nice little applause line, everybody claps. I don't use that phrase. Others can if they want to, that's okay. I just don't use it because I think it's, it, it's too trite. Uh, I'd much rather talk about the glory of God, the awesomeness of God, the power of God, the might of God, the way of God to protect us. And if our life here ends, we're taken into his presence. And what a delight that is. And, and the grace that comes upon people when they, they, they go to stages of being martyrdom that, that's been historically recorded for the last 2,000 years. I'm not advocating martyrdom, obviously, and, and don't want that for any of us. But I just want us to keep focused on God is God above all. At the same time, then have a level of temporal understanding of how do we function in this environment with the realities. That's what Darren has done for us. And if we get a a response positively, if you're interested in him going on more teaching with us, uh, put a yes on the Facebook and then go to the rest of you on other platforms, go to info at wellversedworld.org and just put yes and we'll know what that stands for. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please read the show notes for additional details if you would like a copy of the book or resources mentioned. Remember that WellVersed is a 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit organization. We rely on your support and partnership. Don't forget to hit subscribe to keep up to date with our latest episodes. Leave us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. Thank you for listening to the WellVersed podcast. For more information, please go to www.wellversedworld.org.